Hey, this is Keith Jones, the new president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, PD Light Podcast, the only Flyers podcast. We're back this week. Not a lot of news in Flyers land, but we've solicited some questions from the people, from the masses out there on Twitter, because we know that that's where all the best and brightest people in the world are. And a big thank you to all the people who send stuff over. Facebook people, YouTube people, you can send your stuff. Don't forget snowthegoalie at gmail.com if you want to send questions, comments, and concerns for next week. We also have the NHL playoffs. Have they been as competitive as we thought they would be? We're going to get into that as well. But before we get started, let me introduce to you a man who looks just like a guy I was watching on a on a uh, Phillies podcast this morning, crossed up, uh, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanFilly. Ant, are, are you the same guy who uh, unabashedly supports rain or shine Aaron Nola? Is that, are you the same guy? You're the same I, guy. I, don't, I think if you listen to the podcast, you didn't hear any unabashed support from me this morning. So, shameless so no, plug, that, shameless plug to go check out the base. So that show. wouldn't be that wouldn't be the correct descriptor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I do think we are overly critical in this. All right, time, we're not getting into this shit. Go listen to Crossed Up if you want to listen to Anthony. Uh, you know, I didn't say that. I didn't say that on that um, podcast. I'm just saying. Hey, how are you here. feeling this week? Besides besides the Phillies being a disappointment, which they are, we can agree that they're a disappointment. Is it yes, your fault? Right. Did you take losing energy there? It must be me. Must six be me. one zero six three two. I must not be asking the hard questions like the people on Twitter are saying that you know only you know only Howard Eskin asks the hard questions at Phillies. Nobody else has hard questions, so and it's probably my fault. When you're sitting next to Howard in the press box at Citizens Bank Park, do you ask him the hard questions? You know what's interesting is I actually get more out of Howard than I think a lot of people do. I it, it, it goes back. I mean, I, people may forget. I mean, obviously, I was at WIP many many moons ago. Um, but I was his producer for a period of time in the late nineties. So we're going way, way back. So I have a relationship with him. That's, you know, longstanding. He, you know, and, and it's not, it was never contentious. We always got along. So I feel like when I sit there and we have little private conversations about the world of sports, what's going on, Howard's no different in person than he is on the radio in the sense that he, he he believes what he believes and he stands by what he stands by mm-hmm. but you can maybe dive into it a little bit more and find out why he says what he says so i i, I kind of feel like i get a little bit of perspective there and i can say okay well uh, here's where i agree with him here's where i don't agree with him here's where i think he's just a mouthpiece for for the eagles or whatever the case might be but no at the same time you at least get a little bit more below the surface whereas everything you hear on the radio is very high level thousand foot view Howard Eskin. All right. So let's get into things that have been happening here with the Flyers. Three minutes in, we didn't even talk hockey. Yeah. It's the off season, baby. Except it's not. Yeah. It's not the off season for everybody. It's the off season for the Flyers. Um, they released a video and it was interesting. It said a lift off. Teaser. Yeah, it's a teaser for a lift off. Teaser for a series that they have coming, a video series. Um, I have to say, video production quality was really good. It's awesome. Uh, reminded me a lot more of the 24-7 series that HBO did, 
more so than what you would typically see from a team produced content, which isn't to throw shade at the flyers previous video content, but it's more of a compliment to like what, to what they're doing. And it's interesting to me, like the, listen, we have to folks, if you're listening, I know that I'm supposed to be the, the asshole on the show. Anthony's got a few narcissistic qualities that have to get called out from time to time. <laughs> and he is of the belief, and I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him have No, I'm not, it's he's, not. He's all, he's all worked up. He's I'm all worked up, up because uh, the Flyers are doing a video series, and, and Anthony did a, a video series when he worked for the team, and he's, he's talked about it on this show in the past. And for newer people, you might not have been around for those episodes. But he talked about flight plan. So Anthony, go ahead, air all your grievances. Air I have all zero. Your I have zero about grievances. Off being a ripoff. I have zero. Zero, go ahead. zero grievances. All I was the the comment. I the little under my breath comment I made there was more of a direct shot at you for saying that you know you're not throwing shade at previous incarnations of a video that they used to do. And I'm like, oh gee, thanks. I guess you're not throwing. I guess you're not throwing it at me, right? I mean, I guess not because. You know, this is certainly better video quality than what what we had 10 years ago. Um, so obviously, yes, you know, it is, it, it you know, from a video quality perspective, thousand percent. I agree. I agree with you. you know, as long a, you're not throwing shade at me personally for, fine. I mean, I wrote all those episodes. So <laughs> have you written the past. Did you write these episodes? So no, the, I did not. It was the, not the, asked teaser's, the teaser's good. It's funny. I know that we talked about this last week, like getting called shills now, or at least I did. Um, I, I think that we're allowed to say that things are good when they're good. And we are allowed to also say that they suck when they suck. There's been more suck than good in the last few years, but like, I see nothing wrong with the teaser trailer. There were people who commented on it that were really negative about the video, like go win something before you start doing video. That's not how this works, right? Like even the worst teams in any sports league, like they, they do video, they have to do content. It's about engagement. There's monetization that happens across multiple platforms. Like they, they do this kind of stuff. And they, again, for the millionth time since that press conference that they had, they've said, I don't know how many times it's going to be a rebuild. It's going to take years. They're not trying to sell people with this liftoff thing as being, all right, liftoff, we're going to space as in we're going to the cup next year. It's like right. legitimately liftoff. We're working on getting this thing ready. You know, we're starting to put some of the cargo on. We well, might I mean, eventually fuel up the rocket, but sure as shit, sure shit ain't going to like you know the moon uh, this season. You know, right? Let me let me let me just put it this way. I mean, you know, how popular is Hard Knocks, right? NFL training camp. It's been going on for years and years and years. How many of those teams? either were coming off of a championship or a championship run or then immediately went on to one that season. Like I, I, I would have to go back and look at it and think, I mean, maybe I one, I I I did the Rams that. one happen the year that they won? I don't know, maybe, okay. but I mean, like, it's usually not, it's usually a team that's, you know, an interesting yes, the, team, the Raiders, the, right? It's the, an interesting team, but it's not a, not necessarily a team that's won anything or it was about to win something, Dallas. but it's still, but it's still compelling uh you know documentary of of what goes on at, at nfl training camp i have zero problem with the flyers having an in-house concept that is documenting their process here and mm -hmm. being open and honest about it now last year they did the the standard um which was a four episode 
training camp video thing, which was which was good actually. It was well done. What I don't want to see this be, and I have not been able to get this answer. I've tried, I've asked, and I'm not certain that all of the uh, episodes have been completely outlined uh, going forward. But I've asked, is it more than four episodes? I have not been able to get that answer. I've asked, is it going to stop at training camp? I have not been given that answer. Um, I would like to see if liftoff is a thing that they're pushing and they want people to you know get engaged with. Great. I want to see it start here at the beginning of you know with with the the new hires, go through the draft and free agency, go into summer training camp, into training camp, and then into the season. I would like for it to be a what we tried to do with flight plan um and and uh had comcast sportsnet at the time kind of cut out our legs from under us because they're a bunch of idiots um you know say well i mean i could explain i don't want to get into gory details but you know they limited the amount of time that we were allowed to use video for because they were the rights holder uh which doesn't appear to be a problem now but um at the time it was but like really take it through the entire year. And and I think if, if you do that, regardless of the team being good or not good, doesn't matter, it gives the fans an opportunity to really kind of get to know the people behind the scenes, know the work that's going in and see what's happening. Obviously, they're not going to put, you know, they're, they're not going to put out anything that's negative or, or, or you know, infighting within the organization. That stuff's not going to come out. Okay, fine. It is. So it is. It does serve as a PR marketing kind of aspect, but it does pull back the curtain far more than it ever had before. And that was kind of when when we did it back in the day. That was kind of the the mo, right? I mean, if you remember, you know, our very first episode, I was in the draft room with the with. Um, you know, Paul Holmgren and Chris Pryor, and we had to blur out the the list because, you know, you couldn't, uh, they didn't want everybody to see the names on their list, like the entire list, not just the, you know, obviously where they picked Sam Warren. Um, that was, that was that draft. Um, but, uh, you know, and eventually some internet sleuths were able to find a way to figure out what the names were and, and figured out the order that the flyers had people ranked. But at the same time, I mean, that, but that, so that's kind of like pulling back the curtain. So that this should do the same thing. I just hope it doesn't stop. You know what I'm saying? I hope it's not just a, we're going to do this for a few episodes and then just kind of go away. I think it would, if it became something that was a continual look into the behind the scenes of the flyers as they are trying to go through this rebuilding process, I think it will be a very, very popular uh, form of, of marketing of the team. It's the thing that we've called for in a, in a lot of ways for the last few years, like give some insight into what these guys are like off the ice. And like, if they carry it through the regular season, you can do entire episodes or segments where you break off and you have a crew follow Travis Sanheim home, like not to his current house, but like home across country when they go across and then he can talk about what it how much it sucked to get scratched last year like during that game like you can show a more human side to things you know it it's all about cost right like that's a big part of this um but if you're going to have people employed to do video and to do film crew things then like it makes sense to have it um i kind of like it i dig it it also shows why this team puts so much onus on having somebody who could be a front-facing, you know, PR-esque kind of person in Jonesy, like Eshine, right? Shown, shown, shine in the uh, in the video. Dan Hilferty, 
uh, you know, as some people noted on Twitter, we learned that Dan Hilferty can tie his shoes, which is very important. Um, but no, I think Hilferty is going to be a big part of this as well. You would think, um, he clearly is better at the public speaking and engagement, uh, with media than Dave Scott ever was. So that's another positive. It's another feather in the cap. Torts is torts. He's going, he's going to throw some shit against the wall and we'll see what sticks. Um, Briere is, you know, more of the kind of quiet assassin of the team. Um, but but that's see. how he's that's how he's always been. Yeah, and and, that's and like Danny. we'll see we'll see if he opens up. I this is this is one thing. Um, <clears throat> this came up on a, a call I had with somebody else recently um, when we were talking about the the beauty of splitting up those roles, the president role and the GM role. And I'm sure you can add some color to this, but there are already indications that the relationship between Jones and Briere is bearing fruit in a way that it couldn't have when Chuck was talking to himself in both of those roles. Briere at this point as the GM in building this roster can focus all of his efforts on building the roster, scouting, talking to coaches, talking to other players, going to scout a player who's in, you know, in the midst of play or, you know, go abroad and visit them, visit family, visit their team, their club, everything, right? He can do that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Keith Jones can deal with all the nonsense that a president of hockey ops has to deal with on the organizational side. And there are many things that a president has to deal with uh, that aren't as glamorous. But those are things that if you're playing both roles, it's almost impossible to find the time to do the actual hockey evaluation thing when you have to deal with this other organizational stuff. So already early indications are that's going well. That's a positive. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but I, I thought I'd pass it along to the people if if there's still anybody out there who is longing for the days of Chuck Fletcher in both roles. I don't think that there is one person out there. Uh, that one person, if there one person is out there, they need to contact us because I we need to interview them. We need to talk to them on this show live. If there is one person out there who says, oh, you know, Chuck Fletcher should have, you know, should have stayed in that role, uh, dual Chuck role, was underrated, should, get rid of him. Um, underrated, yeah, I would, I would have, I would love to see that. Uh, no, no, the only look, I think it was a it, again, it was just a teaser for what's coming, right? I think it was a well put together teaser it, it should get flyers fans excited it's something that they you know that they're going to be doing and and it'll be kind of a cool you know behind the scenes so look just imagine how excited we all got with um with uh you know the 24 7 when they did behind you know the winter classic and um and then when they did uh uh when, you know when you even did the one last year like people were get they love it they just love that stuff it's a, it's a real uh it's a real boon to to marketing to your fans they just got to get it right and if i had one small critique one small critique tiny tiny little critique just off the just off the teaser why, why are they going with elliot friedman and jeff merrick as the voices at the beginning i i don't think that that's a that connects with our fan base if i'm just being honest and I'm not I'm not by any means advocating for saying, well, it should have been Snow the goalie. No, not at all. That you don't need to put the 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 conversations that we're having. I'm not saying that. But there are a lot of local voices that they could have gone with, including some in-house options that they could have gone with. I just didn't understand the whole 
why everything is geared towards 32 thoughts. I just look, it's a good podcast. I listened to it myself, right? We've referenced it on here. It's a, I'm not trying to diminish what it is, but Elliot's not the, the big, even the biggest national hockey guy. Like there are many others who have, who have more powerful voices to the, to the entire country or international on the international stage than he does. So I don't, I don't understand that. It's a very small little nitpicky thing. It's only the first, you know, 15, 20 seconds of the video, but it is the first 15, 20 seconds of the video. Like you should be hitting something that people recognize right away. And I'm not certain how many fans in Philadelphia are, are actually listening to 32 thoughts and recognize those voices. Just one tiny little critique. That's all. So I don't listen to 32 thoughts. I don't know if that makes me insane or if that makes me a horrible person, but I don't listen to it. I don't really care. Um, I also don't listen to most national insider podcasts in any sport. I think Woj has a pod. I don't listen to Woj's pod. I occasionally catch Zach Lowe's, but that's on the NBA. I wouldn't listen to a Schefter podcast or a Jeff Passan podcast or a Jason Stark. Like, just I don't find it that compelling or interesting because they have they have too many mouths to feed uh, in terms of who they get their information from that it's incredibly difficult to be fully transparent about what's happening in league circles or what's being talked about in league circles. So I don't find a lot of value in it. doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. doesn't mean that anybody who listens to it is wrong to do so. Just don't get it. Um, I think part of their problem, if we're going to you know, say national versus local, is Keith Jones has done some hits for WIP, but they don't own the rights to the, to the, broad, the broadcast rights. So I don't know if that plays into it at all. Um, they have 97.5, but it's a dumpster fire. Um, there are very few compelling people that you could feature in those first 20 seconds that could put together a succinct thought about the team. Um, Gargano is probably the most hockey literate person right now working at the station in any time slot that matters. And I think most people probably think of the cuz for basketball and to, to, to and, be fair, to be, to be fair, no, 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 I just don't, keep in mind that Hunter Brody, who played with, oh, you're right, who, you're right, who are in the NHL, he did play hockey, so he's probably yes, the, you're, he's probably you're the right. one, yeah, I forgot, I, it's okay, I want to say this in a nice way, that show's really bad, I don't think Hunter Brody's bad, I don't think Ricky Batalic goes bad, but I think the dynamic's not good, and it's not a very good show, I, I wish the best, I yeah. wish the best for Brody, because I think at some point he'll find, he'll find his way. He'll find a, a different show or there'll be somebody, Joe Bell, perhaps, uh, who, you know, is in charge of the uh, Beasley stations will at some point wake up from a slumber and decide that like, there is a better way to run that station than whatever the hell's going on in the afternoon and the weekend over there. Maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? Um, but yeah, Brody, Brody goes down. He, he has covered things. That's right. He's covered games. Um, He's he's aware. I guess at that point, then you say, "All right, how many people know what Hunter Brody sounds like?" You know, I guess that, that would be that that would the be the thing. So yeah, you know, then you come back to which local voice do you go with? I would make the case that there are probably a decent number of people who would recognize Jason Martinez, who does the in-house stuff for them. There'd be people that would recognize us. There are people that would recognize Broad Street Hockey. Um, I I just think that there are other local voices that they could have gone with that probably would have made some sense in that video. Whatever. I mean, it's 20 seconds. We'll see. I, I think the bigger thing will be, all right, if they're going to run this through training camp, 
and even into the season, they're going to rely on some voiceovers. They're going to rely on some audio. Then the question is, do they pivot if they haven't already done so, if they haven't already planned it? Are they going to lean into those local voices talking about the team? And if not, then I'll have much more to say about it because it's only 15 to 20 seconds and we've spent like four or five minutes on it. Like, we'll see. But I think I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair thing to bring up. Um, I want to get to people's questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, before we do that, I wanted to uh, touch on what's going on in the playoffs, uh, if you'll if you'll humor me. Because the NHL and the NBA playoffs have both largely been disappointing in the conference finals. It felt like the conference semifinals and even the first round were more exciting. Longer series, seemed more competitive. Um, if you look at the conference finals, uh, we had, what, a sweep in the East? With the it's Panthers. hard to say that it wasn't competitive, though. All four games were great games. When I say competitive, I guess I mean that, like, it, yeah. it goes it goes long. A sweep is still a sweep. It's just like in the in the NBA, like, the big thing on ESPN was like, oh, the Lakers had the most competitive sweep ever uh, against the Nuggets. It's like, well, you still got swept. You know what I mean? So I hear you. But I think it's disappointing that you didn't see Panthers-Hurricanes go longer than four games. Um, do they look like a team to you that can win the cup? Well, I mean, they're there now, right? I mean, so th- yeah, I mean, they can win the cup. I will tell you that I think that this long layoff does them no help, no favors. Yeah. I think that when you're a team like that who barely gets in and then you get on your roll and they win 11 of 12 in the playoffs, like really are clicking on high cylinders playing every other day. And now all of a sudden you're going to get 10 days off. That could, that could be a big detriment. It really can. And it's going to, I think it could favor whoever comes out of the West, likely Vegas at this point. Um, But it could favor either of those teams a little bit more, Uh, but look, I mean, you can't knock what, what Florida is doing. Bobrovsky's been unbelievable. And remember, he didn't even start the playoffs for this team because he was not good yep. right in the regular season. They had to turn to Alex Lyon, our friend friend of the podcast, friend friend of the former, podcast. former former uh, guest on Snow the Goalie. Um, he was the guy that actually got them into the playoffs because he played great down the stretch and played the first four games of the series against Boston in the first in the first round. Before Florida came back, won three in a row and won and pulled off the big upset. Um, and Bobrovsky's been in ever since, and he's been sensational, right? Yeah. But I mean, when a goalie's going good, that he needs to keep going good. And you say, well, yeah, he could use the break. He's played a lot of hockey. Okay, a couple days, a few days is a nice break for a goalie. Ten days is not a nice break, yeah. right? And then on, on offense, I mean. You know, can Kachuk keep it up? I mean, can can he keep Kachuk keep up doing what he's been doing? He's been unbelievable right now. And if, if it was up to me, like I would, I mean, I know Bob's probably the slight favorite right now for um, Con Smythe, but Matthew Kachuk to me has been far more integral, um, especially in that series against Carolina, because Carolina was the. I felt like they were the better team going into the series. I felt like they were the better team in each of the games, and. Florida still won, and you said, well, goalie was great. Yes, he was, but Matthew Kachuk was a stone-cold killer. And so that's the thing. Like, I mean, does that keep to the, does that continue after a 10-day layoff? Who knows? Look, there's there's something here that, that you and I have to talk about, and we have to figure out a civil way to do it, and I don't mm. want it to, to eat up too much of the time, okay? A few years ago, the Flyers had an opening at GM and here eventually a president. And this team hired Chuck Fletcher. 
and that offseason, I said, I think it's a shame that this team didn't give a, an actual look to Bill Zito, who was given, I believe at the time, what, what amounted to a, um, what the it called, a courtesy interview. Florida, last year, with Bill Zito in charge, made the blockbuster, if you want to call it, trade to get Claude Giroux in the thoughts that that was their year and they were they were going to go for it. Didn't work out. Giroux. Uh, see, I was, let's see if that was going to get you, and it didn't. Uh, then they go into this offseason, and Zito upends things in a big way, trades away Uberdo and, and brings in Kachuk. The team didn't have the same kind of regular season as they did a year ago. I don't think anybody would try to sell anyone else on the idea that the Panthers were like going into the postseason looking like they were going to be a cup contender. Uh, but as somebody I know who hosts this podcast with me for four or five years now always likes to say, well, once you get in the playoffs, you never know what can happen. Kachuk is a better player for this team or a better playoff performer, certainly, uh, with without question, than Uberdeau was. Um, do we now – like do? Is it now fair if there were people who were skeptical of Bill Zito as uh, an executive? Like, is is this like, does this now get him the flowers that, you know what, like the dude went for it last year, blew things up this past offseason, has built a team that wins in the playoffs. Like, there's no doubt. They changed the the culture of, of what they are as a playoff team this year. Uh, look, I'm not going to kill the guy, right? I mean, you know, he... The, the team's in the Stanley Cup final, so congratulations. I, I, I still don't necessarily think he's done a fantastic job. I mean, I know he's a finalist for GM of the year this year, executive of the year, whatever, and I I kind of roll my eyes at that. I'm like, why? That's a regular season award. They are a Pittsburgh Penguins win against the Chicago Blackhawks in the next to last game of the season from not even being in the playoffs, and he's a contender for – the executive of the year. Oh, or, or, or did we vote after the playoffs started and said, oh my God, yeah, he upset Boston and Toronto and Carolina. And now that's why he's won the executive of the year. No. Uh, so to me, I look at it and say, Bill Zito has done, and he's done an okay job. I mean, look, they were, a, they were the president's trophy winning team a season ago. Um, and they got bounced in the second round of the playoffs because they didn't perform. That they entire, had loser DNA last year. They that entire team didn't perform. Yeah, in the they had loser DNA. Well, it's but here's the thing. So they, you know, he did get some new people in the front office to kind of help him this year. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just it's not so it's not just him. It's his entire team. They took a, you know they had traded away a bunch of future capital, and they took a gamble. That trading Huberdo for um, for Kachuk and Bennett would work, right? And that that would be the the thing that that got them over the hump. And they were literally one game away from not even being playing for this thing, okay? And then they caught lightning in a bottle and have played great in the playoffs. But for the same reasons that people say, you know, oh, the 2010 Flyers were lucky to get to where they got to. It's the same thing you could say here. I mean, it's no different. I mean, if you want to make a, if you want to make a sports comparison, it's a lot of what people are saying about the Phillies right now, saying, "Oh, well, they were just lucky to make that run last year, but look at what the start that they've gotten off to now. This is you know whatever." So you could say the same thing. So 
I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad GM. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm also not going to sit here and say, oh my God, this guy, the Flyers missed the boat. They should have brought this guy in because look, he would have done so much better than Chuck Fletcher with with this. He wouldn't have torn down the roster. So so that's the thing. Like you want to sit here and say, you know, he should have been put in charge of the Flyers. He wouldn't have come in here and gone into a rebuild. That was not what Bill Zito wanted to do. And you can say I'm afraid to admit I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not admitting I'm wrong because I'm not wrong on this. It's like, again, he's done an okay job. I'm not saying that he's done a bad job, but he's also not been as good as everyone's made it out to be. And there's no evidence that he would have done what Danny Briere is about to do with this team and rebuild it. He would have done the same things. Maybe not the same players, may not have, you know, signed the same contracts, but obviously when you see what he gave gave away for Florida, gave away a lot of the future to try and win last year and the only chance he had left was to trade an Hart Trophy finalist to try and bring in multiple players, hope it worked and it barely snuck in, backdoored their ass in because of the Penguins falling apart and they got hot in the playoffs. So I don't know, does that make him a great GM? I don't necessarily think it does. I just want to point out, this again is why I always tell people that if you're listening in the podcast feed, you're not watching on YouTube, which is, of course, available youtube.com slash at Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Um, this is one of those times where I say you're, you're missing a lot because I just, I've been accused over the years of having some hot takes. And some people say that they're dumb hot takes. Most of the time they prove to be correct, but whatever. What you just did is put up such a stupidly bad hot take that I'm actually offended on behalf of the rest of the hockey community. Go ahead. Be offended. And that's, and that's it. He built the President's Trophy winning team last year. He didn't build it. They existed. He, he tweaked it and led that team to the President's okay. Trophy. He, th- and he this year, had a President's year, Trophy winning team built, in existence. Built and a he, team. Okay. He built a team this year or reformed a team this year that got rid of loser energy, loser DNA. I don't want to, I also don't want to be reductive here and say that Huberto's a loser, okay? Not what I'm saying. If he came to the Flyers, he'd be the best player on the team, right? But there were years where Panthers would make the playoffs and Huberto would go missing. Kachuk has done the exact opposite. So however you want to deem it, however you want to look at a move, if you want to, you know, just say it's, you know, one move is the thing that did it. Winning GMs make those moves. Losing GMs don't. That's it. All right, I want to go to the West real quick. The Vegas Golden Knights, led by Nolan Patrick, um, they are uh, one win away from the Stanley Cup final. Um, Dallas, though, overtime winner on Thursday. Joe Pavelski. Can we talk about Joe Pavelski? Having a great playoff. Now the leading playoff goal scorer among active players in the NHL has more goals in the postseason than Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. Can we talk about that? Because we need to talk about it. Now, does it help that after he had a concussion in the first round, his first game back in the second round, he he found the back of the net four times? Does that help? Does it help that he scored a goal in every game except for, I think, was it game five in that series? It probably helps. But, Ant, like, 
did you see this coming from Joe Pavelski this this uh, this postseason? Well, I, I kind of you know. Did I see it coming to this level? No. I mean, but you you know, Pavelski kind of has that playoff panache that um you know that Justin Williams used to have for Game Sevens, right? I mean, you you know, he's a reliable player. He's gonna be, he's a red light player. He's gonna be at his best when when the games matter the most and so so yeah i mean do, you know it's an expectation with pavelski um i i don't necessarily knew thought i'd see this kind of you know production like overall production but i mean he's he's a really really good player i'm a little surprised that dallas is in this hole at 3-1 i i don't think they're going to come back and win now i mean it's really hard to, i mean we've we've seen it it's next to impossible to come back from 3-0 um I mean, anything's possible, but you know, if they win game five, then all of a sudden I'd say, oh, well, man, let's talk about it, maybe. But uh, I don't think they're going to win game five. Um, you know, I thought Dallas was a was the team that was going to come out of the West. Uh, if, I re- if you recall back when we made our picks, yeah. I had I had it Boston and Dallas. Obviously, I was wrong about Boston, but the team to beat them is there. Um, and uh, Dallas isn't, doesn't look like they're going to get in. So I got to give Vegas credit. I just don't – I think that they – Vegas – I think Vegas is a little bit more smoke and mirrors than people think. Wow. Um, wow. I do. I do. I, I, so so then I, gun to your head let – me, let me rephrase that. Stapler to your head. If Vegas advances and plays this Florida team that's going to have a, a 10-day gap, uh, is Vegas able to overcome – what you yeah. consider to be smoke and mirrors. Like who, yeah. who would you say is the favorite to win? Uh, Vegas. If Vegas. If Vegas goes through, wins game five at home on Saturday, who, who yeah. wins? The yeah, Vegas, game? because Vegas has got more higher end talent. I think that they're the top of their lineup is, is good, really good. And as the line, as you go further down the lineup, it gets, it gets less and less that you really kind of like, but I mean, the top of their line, I mean, March or so is having a great playoff too, as well. Right. If you want to talk about guys that are really play stones, a hell of a player, Eichel, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're talking the top of their roster is very good, very experienced, got some cup winners in there. So I, I think Vegas is still that I, when I say smoke and mirrors, I think that they've kind of been able to, pull off some magic to get to where they are okay um when you when you look at who they matched up against and how they've played and um you get a break in the sense that you know colorado was so banged up when they got into the playoffs and they were never really an option to 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 get in the way for vegas this time around where they were last year um so and i, I think dallas kind of was has been a bit of a disappointment in this series at least early in the series and then you get you know jamie ben gets himself kicked out and suspended with stupidity um so like i think that there are things there that you sit there and say vegas is kind of but hey to their credit they're taking advantage of it yeah so if, if it is vegas florida i say vegas is the favorite um just because of the better high-end talent and and florida having to sit around for so long and losing a little bit of that mojo and momentum do you think Dallas could come back? I don't, but let's talk about it if they win tomorrow night. Yeah, because game five to me, when you're down, th- whenever there's a three zero series in hockey, and I say this in hockey more so than any other sport, when there's when you're down three zero and you get that, you win that first game, you know, and make it three one. Okay, fine, whatever. That's that's just your that's evidence that you're a team that won't quit. Okay, good, yeah. good for you, good for the Dallas Stars. But the hardest game is game five. That is the game. 
if you can now go, especially when it's when you're an underdog and you're on the road, okay, like the Flyers did with Boston, that's when we knew, right? That's when we really kind of got the sense that this can happen. Um, they went into they went into Boston to win Game Five and and did so. So if if Dallas goes into Vegas tomorrow and wins Game Five, then I think we have a whole different conversation. Yeah. Then I sit there and say, yeah. Yeah, it can happen because now they got some momentum and hockey is one of those games where one of those sports where it's just one little thing. Like you get three zero in basketball. It's never happened. Well, why? Because it's there's so much scoring that goes on in the game back and forth. Right. It might, it might happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. It I just don't. I think the, I think the, I think the heat win game six. Um, but uh, but I mean, so it, but it's never happened there again because of the level of scoring. Right. Um, Hockey being a sport that is played so tightly and so closely. And in the fact that it's, you know, one goal can make the difference in a game. uh, It's more likely to happen there. And so you have to be able to show that you can kind of take over the momentum of the series. Um, So Dallas would have to win game. I mean, obviously they have to win game five, but if, but I don't think they will. I think Vegas closes it out tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. I feel good for, I feel good for Jack Eichel. Why is that? Because if you remember, uh, back when he was floundering in Buffalo in constant arguments about getting this disc replacement surgery, that was one off season where I said, like, if you're a good GM and you're trying to figure this thing out and you think that you're a piece or two away from contending in some way, um, that's a guy that you roll the dice on uh, because he's got the top end talent in him and he had never been on a very good team in Buffalo. And you could argue, you know, did, did that prove that he didn't have the winner DNA, that he couldn't elevate that team? But I, I was on record here saying, like, I, I thought that that's a guy that you go after. Um, and there's nothing to say that that would have worked in Philadelphia. Um, but that's not an easy surgery to come back from. It was the first time that a player had ever gone through it. He initially struggled. He put up 66 points this year. He's got 17 points in the playoffs. I feel good for the guy. Like, I think that, you know, you're you're facing an injury like that, um, that had been you know unprecedented, I guess, for the sport of hockey, to come back from a surgery like that. I feel good for a guy like that because that not only is good for him, but it's good for any other player. And then you see like Joel Farabee had a similar surgery. Like you you look at it and you go, you know what? That's that's good for the future of the game to prove that that is not a career threatening injury or that it's a career ending injury. Um, it's, it's a, it's a good case for, um, I don't know, for younger players as they kind of work their way through the game. So good for Eichel. Um, yeah. all right, let's get to questions, comments, concerns before we get out of here. We're already way farther into this episode than I thought we'd be. And this is what happens when you and I turn on the camera and microphones. Um, I asked Twitter to send over things, thoughts. Uh, let's start with, uh, Nabil Raymond, who says, uh, more so a question for Ant. But uh, from what he's hearing, how likely is it that at least two, at least two of Hayes, Provorov, Konechny, and Hart are traded this offseason? Thanks in advance from a longtime listener in Vancouver, BC. Uh, two is definitely going to happen. Could be three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say Hayes and Provorov are almost guarantees. Okay. I think there's a possibility of one of the other guys being looked at and it may surprise you as to which one of the two 
would be you're the saying, one. Well, then you're saying Carter Hart. You think Carter Hart could be on the move? Well, I, I didn't say it's. I didn't say it, I think he could be on the move. I think that they will entertain. I think Breer. I think Breer is going to be more open to the conversation. Yes, they will entertain it and will consider it. Which is also smart because again, if you're doing a multi, multi, multi-year rebuild, which is what it sounds like they expect to be doing, Hart is going to cost you quite a bit of money to backstop a team that is not presumably going to be very good. We'll see. Not advocating for a trade, but open-mindedness. Nick Hankins uh, says, we all know the major potential trade pieces, but can you talk about potential landing spots and realistic expectations of return? So where, if if it's Hayes, I assume that your thought is that Hayes to Columbus, as Chucky had talked to them uh, at the deadline, could be on the table. Where does Provorov make sense? I think we talked last about Toronto maybe being a place that uh, could inquire about. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what Toronto does now with Dubas, you know, being out and, you know, their GM search and what direction they kind of want to go in. Um, I still think he would, he could make sense there, but uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. I'll tell you, Winnipeg is is an organization that I know has always been enamored with him. Um, even going back a couple of years where they tried to trade for him and, and then Chuck, you know, passed on it, didn't, didn't make the deal. Um, I, I think that's another place that would make sense. I think Provorov would welcome a trade to Winnipeg, having played junior hockey not too far from there, um, being familiar with the area. Um, he's well-liked up there. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many times they've gone on uh, Winnipeg radio and they always ask about Provorov just because of how how liked he was in junior hockey up in that neck of the woods. So I, I think that, that there's a lot of – that makes a lot of sense. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that that's the only place that, you know, Danny Breer is looking to, to move him to. I think that he's having conversations with a lot of teams right now. Um, and uh, But I do think that that's a, that's a team that if you're asking me right now, what makes sense? I think that's certainly one to keep an eye on. I think Winnipeg is going to be in the mix for, for program. Spider Spider 28 asks, uh, how committed do we think this new front office regime will be to selling roster pieces to fuel the rebuild process? Have you heard any rumors of what they might be thinking? Between a very weak free agent class, one of the strongest drafts in the last 20 years, and a handful of non-playoff teams looking to make a jump next year, this strikes me as the perfect summer to sell hard and load up on, load up on draft capital. But given the history of how the Flyers have operated, I don't know that I see them jumping on this opportunity. That's a good point. Um, trades trades could be the the real uh, potential for adding significant talent this year. This yeah, I, but I, I here's the here's the thing, and I think that this is we this is where we're overlooking how quick this rebuild can be or will be. Is this team's biggest problem is is on the blue line. And and the problem there is deeper than maybe anybody even realizes in the sense that not only do they not have a top pair defenseman, they don't have one coming. They don't own a prospect that that projects that way. I guess Emil Andre is kind of the closest. You know, a lot of people internally have said he his his ceiling is to become like a chemo. And if he becomes chemo team in the Nets, that's a huge win for the Flyers, right? Um, but let's temper that expectation. Yet, you know, the guy hasn't played, you know, at, the, at this level. So let's let's really give that a, you know, a big pump of the brakes. So without having that in house, you're not trading for that now, right? Yeah. Um, 
and and ultimately you need to find it. So where are you finding those two players? You may have to draft them, but now you're going to ask yourself at pick seven in a draft that is very deep draft, but is very deep with forwards and not so deep with defensemen. Are you taking the top defensive prospect in this draft? Which is, I don't think that a defenseman is going to go one through six. I think the top six are going to be forwards. Are you then eschewing one of those forwards for a defensive prospect who may or may not be a top pair guy? And if you don't, and you take the forward, which is probably what I think they're going to do, and I I think that makes a lot of sense, then where are you finding these guys? So it's going to take some time to get there. As such, you don't have to, you don't want to just look at the 23 draft class, the 24 draft class, free agency 23, free agency 24. You have to really start looking beyond that. I think you really have to start looking at 25, 26. I think those are the years where this very question and this very conversation makes a lot more sense than it does right now because I do not think the Flyers are going to be part of this in a, in a very deep way. I think they're going to shed some some veterans. I think that they're going to add some assets, but I also don't think that they're going to be high end additions that they're adding. I think they're going to you know do what they do what they can with that first pick in the draft in the twenty in, in twenty three. And then they have two first-rounders next year, which is not as great a draft year as it is this year. But do something with those, and then maybe, okay, you can you can figure it out from there. But don't think about it in, in the terms of it has to be this offseason. I think this offseason is more for resetting the, the table. G, G Gable 96 asks, how much stock should we put into Cutter Gauthier's performance for Team USA? He's in great company with other former USA players. Um, what, what do you think of that? I think it's great. I mean, he's having a great tournament. Um, he's been one of the best, if not the best player for Team USA. Um, it's, it's awesome. Uh, he's going back to college next year. Yeah. So it doesn't, it really, you know, it's it's nice to know. It's great to see. It's great to see it on an international stage, um, knowing that this is what you have to look forward to. But, uh, you know, I still say you got to temper expectations a little bit because, he, the, the earliest he's going to play a game for the Philadelphia Flyers is October 2024. That's the earliest he's going to play a game for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, so in, so you got to go another year without it. And then, you know, who knows what happens in this next year? Hopefully everything's fine. He doesn't get hurt. He has a great year in BC and everything else. And um, you can go forward from there. All right. We're going to go rapid fire. You're going to look at that clock and where we're recording. And you're going to keep your answers to 15 seconds or less so we can get through as many of these as possible. Are you ready? <laughs> Go ahead. Evan Atkins asks, what's the likelihood we see more changes to the front office post-draft? I think there will be changes. I just don't think – I'm not certain if they're going to be the big-name changes that you think, but I think there will be some changes, yes. BTC Stakatoshi asks, how do we feel about the Danny hiring now that other GMs are on the market like Dubas? Uh, seems short-sighted not to wait another month and have done a full and complete search. Nope. I think this is the this was the plan all along, and I think that you'll see – there's some things I know about what Danny's been doing and, and where he's been going and how much he's been diving into this job. I think you'll be impressed by what he does. Andrew Widmeyer says, uh, who are some reclamation projects you'd want to see the Flyers go after? Is there a way they could pry a potential big-time player like Lafreniere? 
building back building the back end is also a priority for the regime. How do you rebuild the blue line? Any specific targets in mind? No, see, and that's the thing. Like, I, like I think what we uh, what I want to just in their mind, this one might take a little bit longer than fifteen seconds, but what I want to say is, is I don't think you're going to see them go really hard after anything that's substantial here. I mean, maybe they get a piece back in a trade that they go, oh, well, that's a nice, that's a nice little uh, asset to get, you know, and that that player could be good. But I don't think you're going to see much of that go after somebody reclamation. I don't think so. I think that it's more going to be. We're going to play what, who we have in the organization. Our kids are going to play, and we'll backfill with with some veterans at the back end, and then reassess again and see where we're at as this season, as the twenty three twenty four season moves on, and then make a determination at that point how you want to proceed going forward. And Tobin says, uh, "Not sure it's been asked, but do you think Brianne Jones would prefer to name a captain? Obviously, Torts has stated his opinion, but curious if that stance might change." I don't think it will. Um, I don't think it's going to change at all. I think what you may see is I think you may see three alternates next year, and I think it'll be Lawton, assuming he's here. That's another name that – well, I'm not saying – that. let me put it this way. Hold on to your underpants. Anthony Filippo's no. out here stirring up controversy. I don't want to say that. They're going to trade Carter Hutt. Now they're going to trade Scott Lawton. I'm not saying that they're going to trade Scott Lawton, but I think the teams will be interested in him, and I think they would have to consider it because of his contract and 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 uh, his age and stuff. And like, hey, maybe maybe you get max value for for Scott Lawton right now. But I think he's here. I mean, ultimately, I would say probably 85% chance he stays. Uh, it'll be Lawton, Couturier, and Atkinson will be your three A's next year. Okay. Um, Joseph Nassib says, I've had enough of hearing the coach speak. The president speak, the GM speak, enough of the new slogan. It's about the product on the ice. It's about winning, plain and simple. Not buying anything of what's being said. I'm buying what is on the scoreboard, period. 1975, enough said. There is that sentiment in the fan base. And it's a, it's it's. how do you think you get to that next Stanley Cup? You can't get there by by doing what they've been doing. You can't. You gotta, you've got to at some point make a determination that we need to focus on getting there so the, the process of getting to that point has to happen um i don't believe in a total blow up where you trade away absolutely everything you have of value i think that's ridiculous but at the same time i do think that you have to approach it from the perspective of this needs to be done in steps and you have to just appreciate the fact that this is not going to be a stanley cup year so just add another year onto the list right probably going to add another two to three years onto that drought just but as long as you know that they're going in the direction of trying to get there in the next five years, then okay. But if you don't know that, if you think that, you know, you should be gung-ho going for it right now for the Stanley Cup, you, you just can't with this team. Just forget it. Just forget it. So it's a lot it's of, a, going, it's a, a lot it's a of the going for it with a mediocre at best team is what's led to 1975 and Mark Madden. You know, like that's, that's a big part of it. They haven't yeah. really done the full-fledged teardown. Even even if you wanted to point to the Hextall years, he was never given the green light to do the full teardown. So how much of a teardown Briere does uh, remains to be seen, but one has to think it'll be even more extensive than that, and you hope that you build to something that's not a one-off fluke. Phil Braxmeyer weighs in. Two of his questions I think we've already answered, so let me get the, the last one of his. Likelihood the Flyers move Ryan Ellis's contract to a team struggling to reach the minimum salary floor, or sorry, the minimum, yeah, it would be the floor, uh, 
for what kind of a return or cost? I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, I, but I don't think that there's, you know, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give up an asset just to just get to that, get out from under that contract to, because you could put it on put them on LTIR and they they're and it's an insured contract. it's an insured contract. They're, it's a, they don't really the money doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so like I, I you know I mean it's possible that you could do it, but I mean it's not it's not killing them. Let's put it that way. Um, CB Sourbum says, uh, what will be their first order of business? Hayes, Provi, or internal restructuring, like scouting? Seems I don't like think they're going to, I don't think they're going to change anything scouting wise until, I mean, if they do, it won't be until after the draft. Yeah. This is now, it's not going to happen here. Um, so they, they will. The other front office changes. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see other, other places as far as player development, analytics, somewhere in those, in those realms. Uh, gaining salary cap, perhaps. I mean, perhaps we get somebody who comes in with more than like an old Casio, uh, you know, however many digit calculator we we upgrade to a TI. Uh, what is it? it, it TI eighty nine Titanium. That should happen. I, 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 that's the one that's that's got me head scratched a little bit. I mean, that's why that hasn't changed. I don't know. Um, but so I, so in that regard, I don't think you're going to see much changing early i think that's if those changes happen it'll be after the draft and, and, and free agency is over because they need the scouts to kind of be part of this at this point um so i do think that your your first move is is probably to you know try and move a salary mm-hmm. um prior to the draft or move a, i shouldn't say that try and move a player of value prior to the draft especially if it incorporates draft picks in 23 so like you know potentially a Provorov, for example like would that be a would that be a guy that goes before the draft if you think you can get a first rounder in 23 and, and i think you can from a good team late like i think a late first rounder i think he could still he can still get you that we're almost done here Amp. What's diabetic on? derek checks in check your numbers diabetic derek all the best to you uh any idea what's going on with the hockey canada scandal seems like it's been going on forever and can you swing a deal involving Carter Hart before the Hockey Canada investigation is over? The a, answer to that is no. That's We've a great about question. It. Yeah, We've talked about it before. I mean, look, I, it's no, not. I, he's he's not he's not getting to. No player who is in any way, shape, or form around that investigation is going to get dealt. We will put the disclaimer on here for those who like to nitpick and like to you know clip and aggregate. We want justice for the victim, who is the person who's like the most important in that investigation. And at the same time, as we talk here about hockey for a second, no player who's around it or could be part of an investigation is going to get dealt because it would be catastrophic. The only thing I can say to that, that I can add, that's a little bit different off of what Russ just said, because I do agree with him is if there becomes an inkling within the the league or within with teams within the league that a certain player, I'm not saying it's Carter Hart, but I'm just saying a, a certain player is not going to be pointed, you know, named or or identified as being directly involved with that. Um, then that player can certainly get moved. Like even if even if we haven't heard the results, and 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 to answer the beginning part of the question, I I don't have anything new. I'm I'm not part of the investigation, right? I'm not I'm not up in Canada covering it directly, so. You know, I only hear things secondhand, you know, and, and then sometimes even 
the same things that you guys are hearing. So, um, but I do think that if a if they get the sense that a player is not involved, Kale McCarr, let's just throw a name out there, right? Like let's just say let's say Kale McCarr, who was on that team but had nothing. Let's say he had zero to do with it, and if Colorado. He wasn't even around, yeah. right? Like he was. Well, he was I, I don't know, know if, he in, if he was in he, town. It doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. Whatever the case may be. I'm just, just throwing. We could have just said player X, but sure, yeah, okay. Well, player X is, I think, the name of what they're calling the son the of a bitch. Player, yeah. player Omega. <laughs> I, can, I, can I take it to player Ada? Player, player Gamma. Right. Lambda? Whoever. Okay. Whoever. Right. But if if word kind of gets out that hey, that player is not going to be included in this final. Uh, you know, investigation wrap up, then yeah, that player can be moved. So if they hear that about Carter Hart, then yeah, then it makes it a little bit easier to move. Okay. I think that was, that was fair. Um, Ryan Mua asks, will Ellis join the likes of Jacob Voracek, Shea Weber and Chris Pronger as Coyotes folklore? It was a similar question. What happened? Before. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if a team, if they look, if they're going to move one of those contracts to a team, the team to move them to is, that, that, what is, where, where are the Coyotes going to end up? They're not staying out there. So where are they going? Uh, look, I mean, is Quebec, uh, is Quebec sitting on the table? Because you have to realign, right? It, like you, you have to. Yeah, I mean, it would be on the table. I, I think that you're more likely to see them go to a Houston or a Kansas City, um, or even a Portland. Houston. Portland. Yeah, I think I think any oh, of those get weird. I think any of those three cities are more likely. That doesn't mean that Quebec City's not on the table for another team at some point here in the, in the near future. I think hockey is going to expand ag- again, um, but I don't. I don't see Arizona. And and I do look. I do believe that an eighth team in Canada is coming. I just don't think that it's Arizona going up there. I think that they. I think that they. I think that they want to explore markets that are interested in having having a team by the way did you see that the governor of connecticut contacted the nhl and said put them in hartford no we'll get we'll we'll, we'll fund a new arena and stuff like that no way really yeah it was great it was great ain't gonna happen but it's would be interesting yeah portland would be really interesting really interesting portland and seattle are insane they hate each other i mean you go go to the go to the uh, mls side of things the timbers Mm -hmm. and and uh seattle sounders like a they they despise each other. It's it's actually quite fun. So yeah. that'd be that'd be interesting. All right, last question. Uh, Zach Stralick says, "Just watched Shazam two, and they're called the Philadelphia Fiascos. Do you think the Flyers should change their name to that? <laughs> if Chucky Fletcher were still here, hell yeah, baby. That's funny, actually. Keep that positivity Fiasco. going here. With the new that's regime. a great that's a great nickname. That's that's that pretty funny. That's pretty funny." I, Hey, by the way, we have a new five-star review. I we'll saw it. I can't, I, was, I, can't wait, I can't wait till you read it. It's a good one. This is by The Teeth of Gary Busey. Omaha Stakes. <laughs> a new era of STG. Longtime listener of the show. I look forward to every new episode that Russ and Ant put out, full of insider knowledge and a realistic viewpoint of the mostly burned fan base. I love it. When Bunny entered, I was looking forward to his insight and anecdotes, but his brash honesty about a struggling team on a rudderless ship, the SS Fletcher, honestly depressed me as much as the team did. My denial was becoming more evident. This past week's episode proved so uh, proved so much to me about the integrity of the show. Ant and Russ, and Bundy and Spirit, 
having Val Camillo on prove that the show isn't about a witch hunt agenda, with both hosts laughingly admitting to how impossible it seemed to have her on. It just makes me feel great to hear Bundy being excited again. They are still as honest as before, but the sun just seems to be peeking through the clouds a bit. Absolutely fantastic show, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Gary Busey. Gary Steve. Yeah, thanks, Gary's Gary. Teeth. All right, don't give it to all yeah. of Gary. Yeah, thanks, Gary's, Gary's teeth. teeth. Gary Busey's yeah. teeth. Thank you. Yeah. That was a nice, that's a nice five-star review. Let's add on some positivity. I said to you, uh, let's do 20 minutes. I put on Twitter that a new, and then in parentheses, short, Snow the Goalie would be going up. And we went about an hour. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, we, if you're listening. That's what we do. Here's the thing that I love, Ant. The fact that there are thousands of people between the podcast feed and YouTube and when we stream and it goes on Twitter and Facebook, like the fact that there are that many people who continue for whatever reason to listen to this show, despite the fact that their team has been long eliminated from any kind of relevancy this past season, the fact that they continue to tune in is reason enough for us to get in front of our cameras, mm -hmm. turn on our mics and do the show. Bundy will be back at some point in the near future. He's been working on a bunch of different projects in the recovery field, which we we know about. We talk about this stuff that he's doing, BundyRecovery.com. Um, he's got an ice wars coming too. He does have an ice wars coming too. Uh, I forget what the uh, date was. Pretty, pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so he'll be back. He's got a pretty loaded schedule here. Obviously, you kind of load things up when you know that you aren't going to have hockey to talk about. So uh, <laughs> we'll get that one ironed out. And... Uh, I think it's good. I think it's a good place to end for this week. And so for at, uh, Anthony on Twitter at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. I ha I've been very lazy about the banners that have been going across YouTube um, during this uh, this video. But you can subscribe here uh, to Snow the Goalie on yeah, podcast yeah. wherever you, you had, get your you, podcast. You had no problem putting up a banner saying that I refused to admit I was wrong. That one would, you had no problem with. There's no laziness with that one, right? Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, also on Pandora. You can follow the show on Twitter at Ant Philly, at Joy on Broad, at Cetarian6, at Snow the Goalie. Also, same handles on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie, and of course, our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash at, you gotta use the at symbol, at Snow the Goalie, or you could just go onto YouTube, and now if you type in Snow the Goalie, It'll prioritize the Snow the Goalie channel. We want to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube before the summer, okay? And summer's coming fast. We want to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube before the summer. We will do a giveaway of some sort when we get to 1,000. That is our guarantee. We will do a giveaway of some sort. Please don't ask me what it's going to be right now. I don't know. I'm springing this on Anthony now. He has some stuff like in a locker somewhere. Um but we'll do a giveaway when we get to a thousand as of recording, we are at 667 subscribers. We want to get to a thousand before the summer. So go over to youtube.com slash at snow, the goalie subscribe. Even if you're a podcast listener and you don't care about YouTube, still go over and subscribe. We want to get to a thousand when we do, we'll do a giveaway. Okay. So for Ant Ant San Philly at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at joy. I'm broad. I need to go drink my coffee because I'm very tired and I've got to go right. And Anthony has work to do. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goal, the Illinois Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, the PLA Podcast, Pampers, Presidential, and the Pterodactyl Podcast, the Silent T. Silent, Silent P. P. Silent P. I'm like pseudonym. The I'm pseudonym podcast. <laughs> I'm Russ at Joy and Broad. Thank you for listening, maybe even watching Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>